Hey, everyone, if you love combat sports such as MMA, kickboxing, Kyokushin karate, BJJ, judo, and 20% of everything else that involves the pop culture of martial arts or just movies and other sports, make sure to hit the like, share, subscribe, follow button to the Drew Experience, the show that's 80% combat sports, 20% everything else. We'd like to just say thanks to a few supporters first, KRT Tips and Tricks, then Marshall Way Blog, as well as Real Talk with Scott Heaney and Shean Terry Burkett, as well as One Kyokushin. Kyokushin Shuffle. And lastly, if you're a Kyokushin fighter and you're looking to make some amazing moments by going pro, make sure to look up Moments Management, where the team of Nima Safapur and all those around him will make sure you're well taken care of. You understand the fight game, the ins and outs, so you leave healthy and wealthy. Moments Management, where quality and care comes first. And with that, my guest today, wow. Oh, this is a big one. This is, this is, I can't believe this is finally happening, you know? And it's such a treat and it's a privilege. And I get so excited. I put the pressure on myself. Today, I got the one, the only, the number three ranked Bellator middleweight contender, the future champ. He goes by the Spaniard, but I call him Dutch James Bond. He's coming back with a vengeance. He's the one, the only, weighing in at 185 pounds, Costello, the Spaniard, Van Steenis. Welcome to the experience, Costello. What's up, Drew? What's up? Good to see you, my man. <laughs> How'd you like that intro? It's like I got it. Oh I'm man, to... that, that was crazy. You're making me hyped up, man. I never had an intro like this. I'm feeling good, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most important. That's amazing. It's uh. So, how's everything been with uh, your recovery uh, in from your injury? Oh, it's all been going good. I can't wait to get back. I think in like a few more months, hopefully, uh, uh, let's say three, four months, and I'll be back in the cage. My last year, last year, and this year until now, it's been it's been hell of a ride, man. Roller coasters. Injury after injury after injury. I've been in the hospital for three times with injury with injuries and uh, operations, but now I'm uh, healthy, healthy and back on track soon to smash everybody. It's amazing. I can't wait. It's, a dark, it's like you're coming. It's like you got. We got. It's like we got uh, the Dark Knight, which is your friend Gegard Musasi, and then we have you, who you're like. I'd say you're like a blade. You're like a James Bond <laughs> mixed with a blade. You're like, like you're like you're like the blade from Blade One, not Blade Two or Blade Three. Like you're coming back, like. Like with a with such a vengeance. Yeah, my man. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm gonna come back to get anybody. Oh, everybody. Not not get good though. He's my no, friend. no. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's your time's coming. So you know, obviously, I have a few questions, but you know, we're gonna ease into them as I was uh, talking to you. So tell me, Costello, what was who were you before becoming a martial artist? Like, what was your childhood like before finding fighting? Before fighting, I'll start a few days, a few days, a few years before before I was fighting. I started my fighting career, well, fighting career. I did it for fun. I was 17 years old when I started MMA. Before that, I was playing football and I was going to the gym. I wasn't doing much. I was working mm-hmm. in a snack bar and I was living in Spain, by the way. Mm-hmm. I've been living in Spain since I was two. And I didn't really do much, just hanging around on the streets, going to the gym and uh, playing football and working in a snack bar like two times a week. And I didn't go to school because I finished school at my 15, 16 year old. Mm-hmm. I was 15, 16. And then uh, one day I was just uh, sitting on a terrace with my dad. And one of the good friends of my dad came to me. And he was like a bouncer and he was trainer of MMA. And he, I got introduced to him and he said, yo, uh, you look like a strong kid. You want to be one of the five, strongest guys from this uh, radio, from this uh, from the city. Like, yeah, man, of course, every guy wants to be the strongest of their city. Like, well, come and train with me. So I just started. I just showed up the next day. I started training. I didn't even know what MMA was. 
I did not know what, I just showed up there with some long pants and some running shoes. I was like, okay, I don't know if you have to train with shoes or without shoes. So then I had to take off my, I trained with long pants on and uh, shoes, I took them off, of course, in the mats. And we started training. And after six months of training, he said, uh, that after six, four, let's say five, six months, I started to know what fighting was, uh, fighting was, what MMA was all about. Mm-hmm. So then I was starting to watch fight of John Jones, Anderson Silva, and uh, um, Shogun. Those mm-hmm. three fighters were like the ones I was watching on YouTube a lot. And the Diaz, and the Diaz fighters, of course. So those were your influences, if, I'm, if I understand. Yeah. At the beginning, yeah. At the beginning, those were my influences. And then after six months of training MMA, uh, I wasn't a good fighter at all, but I just like fighting. I, mean, I like to get, I like, I like to be compet- competitive. And my trainer said, "Hey, man, you're you're, you're learning really quick. You want to test your skills?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, of course I want to test my skills. How are we going to do this? We're gonna do, we're gonna go to a tournament. So we're gonna have two fights. Well, we're gonna go to a tournament and see how many fights we have in one night. So I had two. Uh, how many fights? Yeah, I had two fights that night, and I won the tournament." I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> but but I didn't even know how to kick properly. So I came home like limping on my feet because I was kicking with my, not even with my shins. I was kicking people with my toes. But I mean, we won the tournament, two fights in one night. And I was just, well, how old was I? Nearly 18 or 18? Yeah, I was 18. Yeah. And then wow. I just started training. And then uh, when I was 19, my trainer back in Spain had some problems. So he had to move, move move place and uh he said before he left he told me uh yo yo kid he said you got you got talent you're good at what you're doing in spain you're just wasting your life you're not really doing much mm-hmm. you, you you didn't really finish your school so uh go for the sport man but go to a different country don't stay here so that's mm-hmm. what i did man i packed my bags i i hopped on the bus and i got a one-way ticket with the bus to to holland and i moved into my godfather's place Nice. I want to ask you something, too, because I watched a previous interview. I think it was with James uh, Lynch, you know, shout out to Lynch on sports, like a mentor and a friend who was was just an amazing content creator. So you always got to give the shout outs to those who deserve it. But you mentioned to James that your father, that you come from an athletic background because your father played pro football. Do I have that correct? No, no. My father never played football. Uh why do I no, remember my, my hearing brother, that? Though? My brother, my brother was uh, was good in football. I mean, okay. he played a little bit with Barcelona when he was eleven. Wow! And and uh, uh, and Hercules, Her- Hercules. Yeah, I don't know. how You say that in English. It's okay. It's uh, the same but thing. It, those were those were good. Those were good uh, football teams back in the days. But he didn't really like it over there because he didn't know anybody, and he liked to play football with his friends. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah, unfortunately. Now now you regret it though because you know it's like oh shit, now I should have done it. <laughs> the, the money's over there, you know. The football, and the uh, money's at the football. But no, my dad never. Yeah, he's 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 been always. My dad's been fighter as well. He's been boxing and uh, really not not professionally, but he's been fighting a lot back in the days on the streets. Interesting. <laughs> so your dad, so your dad, so your dad is um, you're you're Spanish, but you're also half Filipino. So that's an in, that is a really interesting mix. So like, if I may ask, because you know, obviously, I like to ask, like you know, when I hear about these kinds of mixes. By the way, if you want to know my mix, so my my dad is Iranian. Second, I'm second yeah. generation. I don't look at though. But if I showed you a picture of him, you'd say yes. And my mom is born here, but her family roots are from. It's between Belarus and Russia. But I just say 
Russia because I don't yeah. have time to explain Belarus to people. They don't. Yeah, they don't yeah, know. Yeah. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. And what? Well, your parents just moved to Canada. Then. I'm gonna explain how they met. Okay, so then you could tell me how your parents met here. So okay, okay, and then so I'll go first. So my mom. So my mom back in the day in the 70s, she had dated an Israeli guy. But the Israeli guy had to move back to Israel because it was after the Arab-Israeli War of 1973. Uh, mm-hmm. And he wanted to serve his country because he felt that there would be another war again. But also his kids did not like Canada because my mom like became a stepmom and kind of, t- yeah, she did become a stepmom at 21, 22. And she wasn't ready to make that commitment to leave because her family was here. Her brother was graduating. My uncle was graduating university because she was born here in Canada. Yeah. So, but her family immigrated to Canada from Russia in the early 1900s, right before the whole communism and red revolution happened. My dad, on the other hand, was born in Tehran in 1955. His family moved here in 1965. They were loyalists of the king, but they saw from afar what was going to happen with the amount of massive poverty in the countryside versus the city. So he came here. Um, all of his family, like typical Persians, went to L.A. So I, I, I mm-hmm. guess he's kind of he kind of regrets yeah. that. But whatever, you know, and then in 1982, if I'm not mistaken, they met at a party because my mom thought my dad reminded her of her Israeli ex-boyfriend. So then they got married in 1983. And then I was born in uh, the early in 91. And yeah, and then only and that's how oh, I found shit. out. So that's how they met. But then they divorced okay. and whatnot. So how did your parents meet with the mix you have? Oh, well, my mine was my story is not so long. Uh, my dad went on holiday to the Philippines, but uh-huh. my mom, uh, then he flew back to the Philippines and told my mom come and live with me in Holland, and that's what they did after like three weeks knowing each other. <laughs> <laughs> so it was love at first sight, like they knew. We, yeah, they... yeah, something like that. Love at first sight. I mean, my mom was like, uh, she she wasn't really grown up. She was. Grow, she was living in a in a quite poor in a poor place, you know, in the mm-hmm. Philippines. So, yeah, future over there is always so. But then she met my dad. Well, she was working at a hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad met her. She was she was actually working at the hotel where my dad was staying, and that's how they met. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's how my dad uh, told my mom to come uh, to Holland, and that's what she did. It's amazing. And she gave birth to two to two to two legends in you and uh, Gino. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, such a small lady. She's not even 160. <laughs> we're like one, 188. <laughs> one day Six you have to, one. when I'm making the episode, if I make a soundbite, like if I make a soundbite, you have to like show a photo of like you with your mom to show like the height difference, yeah, if that's yeah, the case. Be. Yeah, because it's, that's amazing, man. That's a, such an amazing mix. That's what I love about the, like about martial arts because the people you meet are so diverse. Like, you know, there's your, with your background and and then, there's uh there's Bert with his who have had shout out to Bert and Joey who I had on a previous episode. Check out episode yeah. 85 if you wanna if you wanna see my conversation with them. Because you know what they all get love. The whole cops team gets love. The That's what team, it is. The whole team. Yeah, so so yeah, the other thing is so you come so now take it back to you come to you get the one way to go to Holland. And mm-hmm. what was that like? What was the culture shock you experienced if there was any? Because you're going from Spain to Holland. So what was that? Yeah, like? of course. No, well, I'm half Dutch, half Filipino, but I'm, mm-hmm. I've, I've been living in Spain my whole life. Mm-hmm. So, but I've been coming to Holland a lot for holidays, like when mm-hmm. I was little for, for Christmas and uh, summer holidays. So it was, I was already a little bit used to it, but the first two years was actually bullshit, man, over here. Like, I didn't know anybody. I, I came here without friends, you know, mm-hmm. and my only friends were the people I was meeting at the gym. Mm-hmm. And 
it wasn't really i mean we were friends but when we were training we didn't really meet up after but then bit by bit after like one let's say 15 months that's when i started making some friends mm-hmm. and like hanging out also after training because that's something you miss right mm-hmm. after training you want to go out for food or i don't know walk around the city do do something so that mm-hmm. that's then then things were getting better and of course living in spain i mean spain is crazy man it's crazy, especially where I was living. It's like uh, always hot over there. You, you just live with sandals and a swimming suit and you're like in the sea on the beach, diving off rocks, you, going around on your bicycle. <laughs> that, was, that was life, man. But it makes you lazy. It does. I've been to Spain in 2008 and it's like you want to live there, but you don't want to stay. You don't want you want to stay there, but you don't want to live there because I don't yeah. like the hot weather. Like I like I like a bit of winter. It, give, it gives you that character to appreciate and to yeah. to like mm persevere through any hardships so that's yeah, why it's definitely true when i was living there i was like oh, fuck the sun man need to hide in the shade but then i came back to holland and i went to spain on holiday i was like wow this place is beautiful man give me some sun give me some sunlight <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing so you're in holland you know you're getting used to it and was this where you're introduced to uh, your head coach Ricardo and cops team? What was what what? How does that happen when uh, when you start taking fighting seriously? When you meet those uh, individuals? Well, I already went with the plan of man. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna be professional. I wasn't like I'm gonna try and be professional. I was gonna. I'm gonna be professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a matter of time, you know. And I was 19, maybe 20, when I moved to Holland, and I was looking for gyms to train at and I like I went to two or three different gyms and I was like this is too far I cannot train here I didn't really like it over here it wasn't my style and then I met Ricardo and then uh, I went to Ricardo yo Ricardo I'm Costello I want to be uh I want to be fighting here you guys do also fight like yeah yeah we do fights and you know Ricardo's a big motherfucker you know he's like he's all huge. right this guy's yeah this, this guy's coming yeah mostly you know and he goes he comes he goes all right this guy's uh coming to the first time over here saying he wants to be a fighter okay so i'm gonna give him a hardcore training see if he he will uh he will survive man since that day i never left again i just came back every single day and now then after i think a year of training or not even a year he brought me to musashi's team to gayot's to gayot's training facility and that's when i started meeting all the other guys and then i was hanging out a little bit with gayot and then i went with gayot to cops and that's how I met Bert Cops and everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's how we like started growing uh, all of us together. Well, that's... me, I was going with them, you know, because I'm the one who got introduced to them. Exactly. Did you also meet Peter, the Archangel Boost at this time? Because yeah, I gotta give a shout, I gotta give a shout out to Peter because Peter was the one that that really put like was saying, get Costello on your show. He's like, that's <laughs> a name you want to have on your show. And so I gotta give a shout out to him. I promised him. Sorry, Peter, if it's not in the beginning, but I'm giving you your due, bro. Yeah, so, yeah, man. Peter, Peter is such a good guy, man. He's a he's a legend. Now we train with uh, we train with our teams uh, every Wednesdays and Saturdays mm-hmm. at Gegert's place. So we have like meeting of teams, like uh, Ricardo's team. Well, Ricardo's actually Musashi, so actually, but Ricardo's also giving lessons like thirty minutes away from where Gegert is living. Mm-hmm. So Ricardo's got his own gym. So he brings us, like all of us, we go every Wednesday there to Lida. And Peter and his team from Breda, Combat Brothers, they go also to uh, Leiden. So we're always like, yeah, keep it. Holland is a, it's a small country, right? It's not yes. even big. Like you go from to one place to another place in three hours. And then you've seen the whole Holland already, you know. So that's quite good. We've got loads of good fighters. Just a small country. We just need a, 
promote it more. I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I always say Holland is a combat sports superpower for K1 kickboxing. There used to be a lot of good Kyokushin fighters, but now it's kind of like they they'll do Kyokushin and go right into kickboxing or MMA. But yeah, it's like yeah. I always say, like I always say to like to like my fellow content creators, guys, stop focusing only on North America. Look at Europe. That's what I'm doing. Like I look at I, that's I'm giving everybody a blueprint here. Holland is a superpower. They have yeah. they're, and they're only getting better and better. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, like what you're saying, man. There's those Kyokushin legends over here. Those all the all the old school generation I'm meeting, like they're, they're always speaking about Kyokushin and everything. Well, we've actually got a few trainers in the gym, not not at Musasa gym, but like Ricardo's gym. They put their kids on MMA, but then their fathers, of course. And I'm always trying to speak with their fathers, uh, like my friends, their fathers, because they're 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 old school, you know. But old mm-hmm. school, they're they're hard, they're really hard, and they've yeah. always got skills because they they're like 50, 50, let's say forty between forty and fifty five year old. Mm-hmm. But they've got they've been training for 30, 40 years. Yeah. I mean, bro, these these people, you learn so much of them. Even though if they're not active, they still got loads of things to tell you. Mm-hmm. And like it's really interesting for the fighting game, you know. It really is. And I mean, one day, like it's when you meet me and my friend. I, he was my former cornerman, but he's also like my future partner too, like in terms of like how we do stuff together. When you meet Mohammed, uh, the young mountain chick, that's his name in Kyokushin, North American heavyweight champion. You're gonna really have a blast learning about the low leg kicks in Kyokushin from him. Uh, like fight, like you know how to like go into the pocket. Like I really like you're you're gonna really appreciate it because yeah, the old school. Like you, you said, you're like an affinicato. You love those stories. I could tell. Yeah, man, yeah, I love them stories. I really do. Yeah, no, I can't wait to meet you guys in person. Uh, I can't wait to. By the way, I want to ask you. So you go to Holland. So I'm gonna go off on a tangent here. But you're also training at Sanford with Henry Hooft who's a Kyokushin guy himself and uh, a Dutch uh, and also a, a famous Dutch kickboxer. Dutch kickboxer. Yeah. So you're in Holland and now we're going to be fast tracking here. What was it like to go to America finally? And then do you feel like having a fellow Dutch coach there made the transition for however long you were staying easier for you? Oh man, that was a big, that was a big help. I mean, it was really great. at Henry host gym. I mean, he, he treats everybody with so much respect. It's mm-hmm. crazy. He, he helped us out a lot as well. He told us where to stay, what's the best place to get. He told us to come to train in the gym whenever we want. No problem at all. And everybody over there is so friendly. I mean, it's true. There's loads of fighters, you know, and you'll probably be competing against once in charge. That's, that's a negative thing, you know, because you're all at the same weight class. Mm-hmm. That's a bit fucked up because you like the training, you're laughing with each other. And at the end of the day, or at the end of the day, Later on, you'll probably be smashing each other in the cage. But, mm-hmm. but the good thing is there's so many bodies and so many different styles you can learn from each other. That's also really positive, a really good thing. It was yeah. great over there. I stayed there for four or five weeks. Man, I, I didn't want to go back. I just <laughs> took a one-way ticket. And I said, I'm, I'm going to go back when I'm tired. But then, of course, it was getting a bit too expensive, everything. Yeah. So I was like, fuck, I need to go back now. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a, but that's still the amazing experience. You got to see a coach like Henry Hoof, who's got a slew of champions. Um, but this was before they all like some of them left, like Us before Usman left. I think you were there right when he was about to leave. Uh they had Anlong yeah. Sung, the former light heavyweight champion, before Reiner the Ritter took that belt from him. So you just like, do you feel like just the timing of everything being there like just helped? add to your fighting IQ and knowledge for where you want to be? Definitely. I mean, training with Ong in Sanford, I mean, what a a guy that is, man. He's 
such a humble, nice person. I mean, not only is he my training friend, he's actually a real, real friend. I mean, to hang out after training and that. And so is other other people from Stanford MMA. I mean, Loveland people, man. They're great, great people. But the timing is great. I think, I don't know. I think there's something big is going to happen soon for me. It's just a matter of time. I don't know what exactly, but it will happen. Well, I do know a little bit, but yeah. yeah. So that's why I want to take it to the next question. So, you know, I want to give an extremely big shout out to uh, your manager, Nima of Moments, who I mentioned at the beginning of the show. And I feel like, what do you feel makes the team so successful with him as a manager? Because there's good managers and then there's great managers. And he's in the category of great for the philosophy he brings. So how do you feel that make, how do you, how do you feel like that he's made, he's a made you educated you on the fight game and B what do you think makes him such a great manager with the, with the team he has where everybody like feeds off each other? Yeah. I mean, he, he brought the, well, not that he brought the team, but he's like putting the team more closer and closer. I think that's really important because he's not only our manager and our friend, he's like also a brother. Mm-hmm. He's like, He's like uh, an older brother as well. Like when you got problems, you, sh- you just call Nima and you speak about Nima. You speak to Nima. It's not only about you got problems about the about fighting in this. Yo, yo, Nima, I need a fight, man. I'm getting lower money or something like that. Or I got injured. No, you just call Nima up and say, Nima, how's it going, man? I want to hear your voice. When are you going on holiday? You know, that's what I did a few weeks ago. I just rang up Nima. I'm like, let's speak a bit. So Nima was telling me about his holiday in Spain. He went to Barcelona. And I'll speak about my family, about it. Just no, nothing, no business. Just, yeah. just as friends, you know, because you, you, you make this bond up. And Nima, man, what a guy. We were He's, in LA at his place. Yeah. And, and he just told us to stay at his place. <laughs> like, oh, man, what a guy. What a guy. He, he's such a, he's like, as we say in the Jewish religion, cause my mom's Jewish mensch, which means like a gentleman and like a real people's person. Like Nima, when my mom passed was like on calls, like messages me right away. Drew, we're yeah. here with you. The the team cops, team Musasi, team moments. We got you. If you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. We're we're with you in this. We don't want you to fall off track. Like Joey was even like one time, like he's like, dude, he's like, how's everything been with you? When I sent something to him, and even Bert was like, hey, it's typical Bert. It's like Drew, hope you're well. You know, we're with you. You know, <laughs> like his Bert's like, but Bert's like, but Bert's like likes everything like that I do, and yeah. it's just yeah, like it. Everyone feeds off each other, and like Nima told me, he's like, and one day, like I sent Nima a voice message, and then Nima's like, you know, it's funny, I was about to send you a voice message too, just to like see how you're doing and checking in, and it, that's 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 what I love about him, and you know, there's like we know he knows how to separate work, like you know, like you know, work from personal, and I think he wants to let him know that like he's with you all the way like when and you need someone to bat for you not only during your fighting career but after and that's what i think makes him such an amazing individual yeah definitely no definitely what you're saying he's also telling me yo 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 bro you know when uh now it's interesting the money you're getting is interesting but you need to make a future as well you can't do this for 30 20 20 30 years you know Mm -hmm. you need to save up and invest and he's like helping me with that as well you know he's like okay ask these people ask these people look look i mean uh, i'm helping you with this all right now uh, save up your money and you should uh, think of uh, like uh, put your money in stone buy houses when, once you got enough money and that. Mm-hmm. so he, he is he's he's a big brother <laughs> he is i love him like i want i want to get and i have to thank my friend andre for really setting that up because nima was ironically when i was coming up in the podcast game was the first pro manager of many more that I'll interview, but Nima gave the, gives the best advice. And, you know, he's done 
I, I mean, yeah, I want to obviously, you know, he always says, you know, you deserve the credit for doing everything yourself, but he also deserves some credit because there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that he's helped me with that, you know, that, you know, I, I can't mention on here. Cause you know, it's like, it's out of, but like, you know, he set me up, like he's giving me advice about how to do conversations, how to like go on the regional scene. It's, if it wasn't for him and James to say, focus on the regional scene, I don't think I'd be here today. And uh, that's, that's, that's what I love about them. Like when they see you, when he sees you're serious about something, he's going to take the time to make sure yeah. that you're on the right track. Exactly. Exactly. Because he sees that you're going hundred percent for it. It's so like, I'm going to help this guy. Yeah. You know, that's good. He wants you to see, he wants to see you succeed. That's a good thing about him. I, I love him for that. And, you know, obviously, so now with the team you have, so let me follow into this question. So, you have you have a few wingmen. You have with you have in you have Gegard, and then you have Gokan, who is uh going to be a heavyweight future. contender and a future champion. The way that Definitely. that guy moves, like that guy moves very fast. Like, but I've heard Gokan is the champion of eating. I heard that guy can eat nonstop. Oh man, yeah, man, this guy is crazy. I think he's got some kind of worm inside his belly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy. I mean, I thought Ricardo was a big eater. But then we went to have some food with Gibbick, Ricardo, and uh, Gokan. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, well, I'm actually small eater compared to these big guys, you know. Yeah. Well, I thought I'm a big eater, but they're, they're huge. But then Gokan is just another level. He should do competitions with eating. I think he'll win. He'll be famous by eating. <laughs> oh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big, I'm a thick boy right now with this coat, with like, you know, this COVID weight that I'm trying to shed. Like, a, like I'm a heavyweight. So Gokan, Gokan, Ricardo. I'm I'm issuing you a challenge. I'm gonna do. It's oh. gonna be the ultimate eating championship. Drew, it's a three way race. Nima, send me Let's the contract. I'll be Let's the first. We're gonna we're starting a new. I'm pitching Nima a business idea here. We're gonna we're gonna do the ultimate eating championships of who can eat the most food. You get your choice. You get your choice of the food you like of how much you can eat. So I'm gonna make it fair. And then we're gonna have to film it. We're gonna Instagram live it. We're gonna, yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna put it on YouTube. We're gonna promote each other's brands. You're gonna be, you wanna, you could be the Bruce Buffer if you want. Yeah. Or, and then you can ref it. I don't know. We gotta figure this out. We need, we need some sponsors for this deal. Then we need yeah. some sponsors. We need to. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Drew. I'm gonna put my money on Gokum though. It's okay. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Sure. I saw him eat in person. It was crazy. It was scary, man. It was really scary <laughs> what he was eating. It wasn't even chewing this guy. Fuck. <laughs> is Gherkin the same way too? Or is Gherkin like you more of a smaller eater? Nah, he's a, he's a smaller guy. He's uh, 80, 83 kilos. Okay. Not even a middleweight yet. And Gokun is like big brother. He's, he's strong. Big. Oh, nice. Gherkin is strong and big also. But he's like, Gokun is a big brother. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he was amazing. You were at the last fight that he fought at, and where and what impressed you so much about Gokan with his trajectory of how they're playing it with him? Uh, it was like uh, crazy, but I think they should they should pump Gokan up more. They should promote him more. They should promote him more. Get, mm -hmm. get Gokan had like I think one of the strongest guys in the division. That wasn't I don't know if this guy was in top ten, the the guy he was fighting, but he definitely was. He should have been in the top five. This guy definitely. Mm -hmm. But uh, Gokan proved himself, and I think, uh, uh, yeah, he'll de he'll definitely be champion next year. If it's not, well, not this year, because it's nearly finished, but it'll be next year. 
I agree. So you also have your little brother, Gino, who you were mentioning earlier that played soccer, but so yeah. you're getting into fighting, you know, you're in Holland now, and then, you know, you're making your trips to Florida. What motivated Gino and, and to get into fighting and how have you feel you played a role in mentoring your brother? Oh, he, he yeah, how he got motivated. That's a good, I was always like, uh, uh, Gino was like, uh, he, he was living in Spain when I was already living mm-hmm. in Holland. I was like showing him some tricks, you know, how to submit people, mm-hmm. how to do this. And he was, he was doing CrossFit. He was a big guy, like nearly just as big as I was. Not, well, yeah, nearly the same kilos, nearly. And he was doing CrossFit. And then he was like, oh, I'm going to come uh, to Holland on holiday. And he started doing MMA with us. And he goes, oh, I actually really like this sport. I'm going to do this as well. So he went full out. He moved also to Holland. We stayed together. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he said, yeah. Now he's just going fully for it. Doing in good hands. I mean, he won his last fight, and it's uh, it seems like they're taking the slow but steady approach too. Like that's what I like about your gym. There's no throwing into the fire unless you're really like show like you're meant for this. But do you feel that's what makes Ricardo a great coach, where he wants some of his guys to take their time with where they're they could be and where they're going to be? Yeah, definitely. Ricardo wants people to build up the like. Instead of putting Gino like after one fight in, into the big league, because we probably could because we got the contacts for it, like no, we have to. He needs to build up cage time, you know. He needs to build up experience because once you're in the big league, you're not gonna have easy. I don't want to say easy opponents, but you're not gonna have. You're gonna have elite opponents that had loads of it, a cage experience. You want to build up yourself in the cage experience, and then go into the big league, so you know when and what to do. Mm-hmm. That's so, interesting. I think yeah, so when a trainer is really a good trainer is really important. You don't you don't want to get thrown into sharks straight away. You want to build up and be a big shark before you get into the shark tank. Yeah, no, that's such a smart move. And and you know he's two and oh, he's like right now Gino's. I know yeah, Gherkin is two and zero oh as well. So it seems that Gino and Gherkin are on the same trajectory and they're in different weight classes, which is. But what really boggles my mind is you're a middleweight. You're very tall. Yeah. Gino's a lightweight. He's very tall. What in what how, what what is what sort of genetics to, is like diff? Wow, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how to word the question here. Like it's like I'm 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 boggled by how tall you both are, but how like there's such a difference in weight. Yeah, he, he'll probably need to move up weight in a few years and keeps on growing. I mean, we're we're the same height, but then the body posture. I'm a little bit bigger. Gina's a little bit uh, smaller, but same height, of course. You know and he needs to cut a little bit of weight to get the weight, but I think if he is, if he gets up a little bit more weight, more musclier, he'll probably need to go to welterweight. I could see him there. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. I could see him there. I could because he's I, really tall. Mm-hmm. He's really tall. And Gherkin is more stocky, or Gherkin's also pretty tall. No, Gherkin is more stocky. He's, okay. he's like a smaller guy with big bums in his hands. <laughs> Turkish Knocks everybody out straight away. Yeah. Turkish, Turkish can't, Turkish, uh, Turkish monster, like him and his uh, brother, like, uh, but yeah, like I was speaking with Gherkin and, and Gherkin is, uh, is like, it's like, we we're just talking and like, we're talking about spicy food and Gherkin, that's what got Gherkin's interest in, like to start like talking with me. Cause he's like, you like spicy food. I'm like, I fucking love spicy food. And, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, what do you like? And I told him, I said, I could eat anything, but Indian food I said anything, but Indian, I said, Indian food knows really? no boundaries. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love uh, that's that's something like I love. Like that's one thing maybe we'll, we'll have to add in the ultimate eating championship with Gokin and and Ricardo. Yeah. Like I'll be like I'll add some spicy food to to make to to see it like how long I can last. And that's oh, you'll have a bad day the next day, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that plenty of times. I'm used to it. Like where I'll eat something hot <laughs> and it's like I think like, I can handle this. And the next day, uh, it's like no, it's like you I'm regret just, it. I reg oh. It's Great. It's nuts. I want to ask you too, because like I noticed you got some tattoos on you because tattoos like I like I like ink. So what is like so you have like a cross on your um yeah crab, and then you have like some birds. Is that because like you're very you're into like you're very into like the Catholic yeah. faith or what's the reason the meaning behind the, your tattoos? No, I've got uh, the bird and the, I've got like a star and then two birds flying mm -hmm. around it. It's like uh, my grandma when she died, she had a really important role in my life when mm -hmm. I was young. Because we had we everybody had some problems and I loads of most of the times loads of times I went to my grandma's house to speak to stay at my grandma's house so she was looking after me so once she died uh, we put a uh, she got burned we mm -hmm. burned uh, how do you call this we uh, uh, cremate cremate yeah cremated and we got her ash and well, I got her ash and put put it in the ink of the tattoo so we put mm -hmm. her ashes in the tattoo of the bird so like she's the star and then she's like always flying with me. That's amazing. That's a beautiful, it's a beautiful meaning. Yeah. Like I say, everyone has their tattoos, have, has their meanings. Like, like Joey's got a six sleeve and I got to ask him the meaning for Yo. that. Yeah, man. He's got his whole body tattoo, Joey. Crazy, man. Crazy. It's like a story. It's, it's crazy. And then there's like Gegard who's got no ink at all. And it's like, <laughs> what about you? Joey? What about you? So I can't get inked actually, because in the Jewish religion, you have to give your oh, body yeah. back the way it is. But if I'm looking at it objectively, I think it's a bullshit law because what if you get sick? You're not giving your body back the way it is. And I think yeah. it's, it's really subjective. If like, it's like, I want to get inked. I mean, my, I mean, my family's going to watch this and they're going to say, you are not getting inked, but it's like, you know, I got it. Like, listen, if like, if the tattoo has meaning to it, I'm okay with it. Like, I mean, I do want to get uh, the, what I want to get inked on me is, um, it would be uh, like my dad's zodiac sign, Sagittarius. And there's like a yeah. sick one I found where it shows the center, like pulling back the arrow. It's like all muscular. I could, I could send it to you after like, a, like what the, I have the picture. And it's going to be yeah. like his name in, uh, in uh, Farsi because he's Persian with his birth cool, year, man. 1955 to the, with the infinity sign. That's cool. Oh, that's a yeah. cool idea, man. That's great. And then. Yeah. Another one I'd want to get is like on my chest. It's like one side would be the Iranian coat of arms, but under the Shah's time, not the Islamic republics. Because my mm -hmm. dad grew up like in like, I'm very proud of like the Iranian heritage I have. And then also on one side, I mean, now it's, it's like, it's all oh man, I could probably get a lot of flack for this, but I would want to get the Russian coat of arms because of my mom's side. And, you know, yeah. Russia has a lot of history. Like, I'm not trying to promote, like, the war here. I'm just saying, like, in general, like, Russia has a lot of history in sports. And then I want to get, like, something similar once my abs develop to, like, an angel, like, kind of similar to David Beckham's. But, like, one side would be, like, white to represent all the times, like, I've, like, redeemed myself and risen yeah. up. And then the one side would be, like, the black wing, which would show all the times, like, I've fallen. That's, like, so... That's uh, those are the oh, kind of shit. tattoos I'd want to get. So you are gonna have a tattoo then, huh? It's not a yeah. yeah. It's a matter of when. <laughs> so to all my family, I'm so I'm not sorry. If you really want me to be happy, you would accept it. I mean, I know like I'm acting like the rebellious yeah. kid here, but I think tattoos, you gotta like if it has meaning, you have to go with it. You have to like if you know you're gonna be happy with it, just go with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you have a good tattoo, you like it, just do it. Yeah, you gotta do what you like, right? 
life is short. People. Life is short. Yeah. You got to do what you love. So I also want to ask, you know, obviously, you know, you have like, so this is really, this is a key question because, you know, we talked about having a great manager that helps you, you know, like make good business decisions with your money, but you also have like, uh, I saw like you're in a very successful and happy relationship, which I'm happy for. And it's so key to have like a, like a girlfriend or like a, or like a fiance, whatever, whatever title there is uh, to support you in your goal. So what is, so how has your girlfriend helped you in your journey to make you a better fighter, but also a better person as a man outside the cage? That, that's a that's a good question. I mean, she is making me. Uh, she's calming me down. I'm like normally I get I get like uh, on my tiptoes really quick, you know. Yeah. When I can't find nothing, I'm like stressing something out, like smashing doors, like fuck. <laughs> but she's like, just calm down. I'm like okay, okay, yeah, I'm calm down. But she, we we've only met each other uh, how long? Two two years, two and a half years now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. two and a half years, and. Uh, and I've only fought once since I met her because because of the injury and mm-hmm. COVID. You know, COVID happened, so everybody got in lockdown. And then I started training again. Then I fought uh, Fabian Edwards. And after that, I got injured really badly a few times. So, yeah, mm-hmm. nothing really happened after that. <laughs> I mean, I fought one time and she was threatening. I fought right on her birthday. Oh. Uh, so that was, uh, I told her, Sorry, I cannot make your boy, uh, your uh, birthday, but uh, I'll make up to it after after my fight. I'll take you somewhere nice. <laughs> nice, that's good, man. That's good that she understands, and you know, because you could. It's so easy to get, like you know, Rogan Joe Ro- to quote Joe Rogan. He's like, it's so easy to get those girls, like those partners, or uh, like just like start shit with you to like make you angry before fight night, and it's like you don't want yeah. that. You want someone that no. knows that there's like a boundary to it. Yeah, they, they need to respect your few weeks that you need before a fight because if you get crazy, man, everything will get fucked up. It's your future, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so now taking it to it, because you said you the last time you fought, which was with Fabian Edwards, great win. I mean, you beat Fabian and, you know, it's not an easy task. I know like in your interviews, you said, yeah, you know, you would have liked to show more, but W is a W. So you know, then yeah. you're supposed to fight. I think it was um, you're supposed Lorenz to fight. Larkin. Who? Lorenz Larkin. That's it. Yes. I keep getting confused between Larkin and another. And I think it was Machida. I thought you were supposed to fight Machida, but Lorenz Larkin. So you get injured and yeah. it's a setback. But how do you feel the setback has made you a better, I'd say, fighter? But also, like, how do you how does how has it improved your outlook for where you want to be? I think, uh, to be honest, and Drew, it's like at the beginning, I was really, really bummed out because of these injuries. I was getting mm-hmm. depressed or depressed. I was getting really sad. Like, fuck, you know, ACL injury, at least nine months. Then I had the two stomach hernias operation. Then I had the, my growing tear. Like, fuck this, man. And, uh, but at, now I'm actually like, I had, I've met some new people for in the team, and I was like, they brought like good ideas in my head. Like you need a, you need to treat your body like a temple. You you know, you mustn't train like bite your teeth and just go for it. No, you need to have a plan, and that helped me a lot. You know, just stay down to not not stay down to it, but you need to be smart. Your training wise, everything, your food. So I think maybe it's a good thing. I'm sure it's a good thing for what's going to come now. For these few years, this this two this, like this one year that I've been out of the game. 
has helped me a lot mm-hmm. for, this, for the future. Definitely. That's amazing. And now, as I said, you know, it's when you come back, you're taking it, you're taking, you're collecting souls, man. You're coming in there like you're the, you're like, and I, I hope you understood the analogy with the James Bond where I said, you're like the Timothy Dalton, James Bond or mix of Daniel Craig, where you're not here to, you're not here to be a gentleman. You're here to, to, to accomplish your task and you're going to do it by any means necessary. So yeah, yeah, definitely. what is, so I'm a big James Bond fan, by the way. Like I, it's like, if you ask me, you could ask me about star Wars. I won't know anything. If you ask me about James Bond. I could be like, I'll, like, I'll tell you what happened in this film. I could tell you how this, that's how I am. It's like, I'm like rain man for that. And with MMA too, when I talk to too. So it's like, you got to embrace your flaws where you're a bit weird. And you know, that's what, that's what I love about this, but yeah. So you're coming back with a vengeance went off on a tangent mm-hmm. there. I know again, that's how I am when I drink coffee, but when you come back, what, um, how do you feel, uh, you'll, you'll re if, if you get to Lorenz Larkin rematch or any other, how do you feel the improved Costello span, the Spaniard Vanstinas is going to come in? Like what, what should, what, what are we going to see when you come back? Oh, you're going to see one violent thing in the cage, man, <laughs> with a head, with a head, of course, with mm-hmm. brain. Not not just snap your fingers and go for it. No, mm. no, no, no. I'm just gonna tear you apart this time. And when I see an opening, I'm gonna oh, can't I can really uh, my hands are already sweating. I just wanna fight, man. <laughs> it's just itching. You just I got that itch. Yeah, man. That's amazing. Two years, two years without entering in the cage. Uh, but it's like but it's but it's but at the end of the day, like think of it, you said you met some great people that helped you understand better training methods. Uh, it seems like that the cops and uh, the cops gym is adding some more assets. They added, like I saw you trained with Robert, the current KSW double champ, Roberto Soldich. So maybe you learned something from him. I also met him too. Shout out to Sandro Fur of TriStar Montreal. Like Sandro, his striking coach in Montreal, introduced me to Roberto before anyone really knew about Roberto. And now yeah. people know about Roberto. So huge shout out to Sandro. And um, you also met, um, I'm going to butcher the names. It's uh, Rico and his father. There's like, they're the. Oh, you know, great people, man. Great people. Yeah. Great. How are they? Germany. They're German? Yeah. Well, uh, they're, I think they're half German or something, but they, they live in Germany four hours from here. Okay. Okay. And there's like, and how have they helped with, uh, with the recovery process? Um, well, they weren't really at the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the recovery because I've like they were training all the time I couldn't with the recovery process I couldn't really be training MMA and mm-hmm. back. so I was just focusing on my legs sprint trainings jump training so I'm going to be more flexible I'm going to have more speed uh, th- those kind of training I had a good I've got a really good physio mm-hmm. shout, let me do a shout out shout out to Lee Egger he's <laughs> a physio of Rotterdam of Feyenoord a big football team and this guy is like so so addicted to his to his thing. He just wants to be the best physio in the in the game, you know, the best thing with knee, knees and ACL injuries. And this guy said, "Okay, I'm gonna help you, man, but you need to promise me one thing: you need to do everything that I say, not too, not less, and not more." Man, one time I did too much. I went training without his permission. Got so angry at me. Like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But this guy put so much time in me, like two to four hours a day. We were always seeing each other training, then we're having food, and then we're training again. So I brought him to Spain one time as well, and man, that was good. We even trained in Spain for like four or five days. Crazy guy, man. That's amazing. I'm really happy you have a great physio. That's so key because you need someone. Because the problem with physios is 
that there's like sports physios and then there's Mm -hmm. like regular physio. And I made that mistake with the first time because I have um, flat feet and I have like some knee issues and lower back pain because of all the weight I gained and running back and forth, you know, helping my mom at the time. So the pain is like now taking its course. So I saw like one physio, the guy was like, oh, you can't do this and that. But then you see a sports physio. It's like, yeah, you can do this, but he's like, you can't do this. And I like that. That's what I get from your physio that he's like, you can do what you want, but there's ways of going about it. And I think a sports physio is super key. Yeah, definitely. Especially if this guy, like he, he likes MMA. He's like outraged. He's like 29, you know? Oh, wow. Just how old we are. And he's already high in the game, you know, and he likes to do MMA. You're like, all right, I'm going to help you to be the best version of yourself. Not only, and he's a big fan of GSP. He says, I'm a really big fan of GSP. I like the way he trains and the way he thinks, especially mm-hmm. now. Now that he's retired, he's training really good, he says. But I, I, I'm, I'm using that method as well. So we're not only training legs and uh, re, re, the rehab for the knee, but he says, we're also going to do your upper body. Mm-hmm. I want you to eat good. I don't want you to get fat. Because once you get start getting fat, your knee is gonna. Well, let's say if you're eating healthy, your knee is gonna. The process is gonna be better for the the rehab and everything. So he said, "I'm gonna help you with this. You're gonna help me with that." I'm like, yeah, let's do it. That's, that's that's fair enough. That's amazing. That's that's so amazing. And so now I want to ask you this because, um, oh, you said back in the day uh, when you were coming up, you were a big fan of the John Jones, Shogun Hua, the Diaz brothers. And, you know, I understand you're friends with uh, Gegard too. I don't really, that's why you noticed I didn't really ask a lot of questions about Gegard because this is your show. I'm tired of people saying he's Gegard's mm-hmm. prodigy. No, you're Costello, the Spaniard, advanced tennis. You're making your journey. This show's about you. However, yeah. to take it back to your influences, do you feel like when you met Gegard the first time, like, did you know who he was when you met him? Or were you kind of like still only following UFC? Because this was during the Strike Force era, it sounds, when Musasi was going between Strike Force, K1, and Dream. Yeah, no, to be honest, when I moved to Holland, I didn't know what, who he was. Mm-hmm. But then I was speaking to Ricardo, I was training with Ricardo, and Ricardo goes, he told he was already speaking about Gegard at that time. So I'm like, I'm gonna see who this guy is, you know. So I just started looking up in the, on YouTube and that, and that's when I was like, whoa, this guy is a beast, man. I mean, this guy. Look at his record. Look at the people he's been beating. Like, bro, this is gonna be this is gonna be great for my career. That's amazing. To learn now, from this guy, so that's that's brilliant. And look at it now, like you're not only his training, you're not only like a partner, like a teammate, but you're also like a close friend of his. And, you know, yeah. you treat everyone like family. So this is a new question. This is a question I added today now. Added it. So let's just say in a perfect world, we do the DC versus Marvel of a crossover between Bellator versus UFC. Gegard fights yeah. Israel Adesanya. So we got Batman. We got the Dark Knight. And when I say the Dark Knight, Gegard is the Christian Bale Batman. That's who I look, how I look at him as. Like very, he's an anti-hero. And I love anti-heroes. I don't like the good guys. I like anti-heroes. Like they're real. Mm-hmm. So you got Gegard versus Izzy. And then you have you. So if you, and then you're in that, that, uh, that crossover. Who is a person you want to fight in the top uh, five of uh, UFC in a crossover tourney? In a crossover, well, if Gegard has Izzy, I would like to fight Jack Hermanson. He's in the he's in the top five, right? He's in the top. Uh, I think he's now in the top ten. He was in the okay, top five okay. before, but then uh, he he lost it. He lost one. He lost to Strickland. So Strickland was. Oh yeah, I'll fight Strickland then. Yeah, that'd be a good fight. I like that. Yeah, I like I like I'd like to fight him. Yeah. yeah. 
send him send him packing that like i mean i like he's a good fighter but very awkward style but i think that's the kind of guys you like you did well against fabian i think mm-hmm. you do i think your style is tailored i think he lorenzo's style is tailored to your style and it's uh so that's a that's a good pick i like that sean strickland and who would you think gino would want to fight if knowing him if he's like but this is a welterweight gino not a welterweight gino okay wow welterweight is a good is a good t- is a good uh, division at the moment, man. Uh, let's see, man. Welterweight Gino. I've never actually asked him who he would like to fight in the welterweight division. Hmm. Shit, that's a that's a really good tra- question. Man. Ask me that question again later on. I'm gonna. I will. I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to. I'll make a clip about. I'm gonna make some clips. Probably three clips. Like in this question, where then like it'll be like, and then Costello, and then put in the caption, and Costello confirmed that it was that Gino wants to fight X Y Z if there's a crossover, and when he makes when he's in Bellator. So you're in Bellator, you're being treated very well too. But if there was like a time, if there was like if like, but like with Bellator, what do you think makes Scott Coker such a good uh, promoter and president? For Bellator, that not many people know. I think he treats his uh, his fighters really good. You know, he he's like really down to earth. He's always yeah, really with respect. But not not, not even even if you're big or even if you're nobody in Bellator, he, everybody gets the same, and that's mm-hmm. really good. I think that's really good of this guy of Scott. That- that's amazing. Obviously, Bellator, you know, like they're the number two. They're obviously trying to find ways to improve variously. And you have uh, like they brought in you know big John McCarthy as uh, as the the post fight interviewer and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so, do you feel like it's only a matter of time before Bellator kind of reaches that level of like say the UFC or what Strikeforce had, where it was only taking off until Zufa bought it? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, Bellator is getting there. They're getting every year. They're getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. So they probably will get to that point. But I don't know when is the question, you know, mm-hmm. but they will, they will. I bet they will. That's amazing. And what's the most important is that you're happy, you know, you're making your, you're making your money now that's deserved. And, but you also have good advice and uh, that's super key because if you, because where do you feel like, I know, like, and I don't like asking this, but obviously it's an important question to ask now with the pro fighters. Like, so you said Nima's helping you invest. He's helping you meet the right people. Do you feel like you're making those moves? And if you have an, if there's an up and coming fighter that says, Hey, Costello, I want to be a pro fighter. What advice are you going to give them for money wise? I mean, I know that's Nima's domain, but from your experience, what would you tell an up and comer that, that needs to, what they need to know about saving and, you know, being disciplined? Yeah. yeah. Well, once they get into a big contract, for organization, you're not going to save with, uh, let's say, uh, 10K or 15K or 20K. You're not going to buy nothing big with that money. So I'd say the first few fights that you get, uh, enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. Treat yourself that you that you signed with a big organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying buy yourself a watch and buy yourself a necklace. No, I mean, go on holiday. Look at the world. Take your friends out. Take your family out. That would be something nice. Make memory of them. Because once you get after that, making that memory and once you're getting big money now you just want to be hustling the whole time you just want to be active getting more money to invest you know so enjoy your time with your family spend some time with them take them out uh, on holidays and after that get back to your work and get serious man uh disappear for a few years well without going on holiday i want to say after <laughs> a fight of course but like yeah that's amazing and 
if you obviously you said you know you finished school at 16 because in europe it's different like in canada it's like 17 18 so if you didn't do mma let's say you did complete you know your schooling what do you think you would be doing if you were not a fighter like if you as a career choice i don't know i think a fireman i, I, I fireman would have been cool you know mm -hmm. it looks like uh yeah i think a fireman would have been cool yeah yeah i could understand why like you know like you like they see you with the with like that james bond face you have and it's like and they're gonna be Bro, my face is fucked up look no 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 dude like like, like i like i'm telling you man i'm telling you it's like it's like you're like you you're like it's like you got like that that like daniel craig look because you're young and you got that timothy dalton like personality when it's time to be business I'm telling you costello you go you're gonna if you were a fireman i think like you like, oh man you'd be like there'd be riots there'd be riots for for like women for everyone to be saved by your children they're like i want to be like costello and then you got like all the females be like help i made a fire in my apartment yeah. and then you come and rescue them and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Costello's girlfriend, if you're going to see this, but I'm just saying, you know, you got, you got it. You ended up with a very handsome, you know, winner here, you know, as I said, and you know, obviously too, you know, she's, I've seen it. She's very, very, I just want to say as respectfully as possible. She looks like Anna de Armas, very attractive. So you guys, you guys are like a, are a great couple and uh, not all the wins are in the cage. Some wins happen outside the cage. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> thank you Drew. no thank problem <laughs> so we're gonna i guess we're gonna conclude it here because obviously you know it's such a great time i want to thank you personally for um coming on i've been wanting to do this for such a long time and it's such an honor i hope i delivered in your books and yeah definitely man and where can people connect with you if they ever want to follow your journey oh they can confirm me uh, they can uh, connect with me on uh, instagram i'm just mm -hmm. gonna go inside and get my charger yeah. Uh, on Instagram and IG, on Facebook, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Those awesome. pages. Awesome. Well, Costello, man, I'm once again, I'm so happy we could do this. You know, it's been a long time coming, and uh, I hope when we watch, when people watch this, it hits over a thousand views. We're gonna tag everybody. Got to give me. We're gonna have to. You have to give it to uh, everyone you know because this is a big deal. Yeah, man. Definitely, definitely. Thank, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> thank you for no uh, for this uh, for this interview, man. And hopefully, I'll see you in person. You will. Oh, that's a guarantee. Twenty twenty three. I'm making it happen. Mohammed's trying to hold me to it to to put yeah. the time in. So, yeah. How long will you stay in uh, in Holland if you come here? Um, if I do come, probably no, you, a week. You're definitely coming. You're definitely coming, man. Come on. I you am. are coming. A week. We're going to take you out. We're going to take you out. We're going to take you for some food, get some training done. <laughs> nice. So, have a good week. Nice. Everyone, make sure to like, share, subscribe button to the Drew Spirits and follow Costello. This guy's going to be a champion soon. So follow him now before he becomes too big. And I don't want you to hear this. Oh, I'm a fan of him now, but I'm not. I wasn't. A fan. No, you got to be a fan when they're coming up. So follow the man and put some respect on his name. <laughs> exactly what he said. <laughs>